Thank you very much. I'm not preaching, I'm sharing. <laughs> Somebody asked me this morning, am I preaching? I was like, oof, that sounds like a big thing, really. Um, so I, I guess I'll share a little bit of my journey, uh, my journey with God, um, which I feel I can speak of, <laughs> um, and share a little bit of scripture with that. Um, you know, following on from John's preaching, it's very difficult, isn't it? Uh, you know, so John being the sort of head. Phil last week talked about himself as the left nipple of the church. <laughs> it's difficult to follow that, Phil. Um, I thought I'd go with the right nipple for symmetry, but I'm going to go belly button if that's okay. Yeah. I, I shudder to think what next week's person's going to be. Yeah. Um, so I, I'll, I'll tell um, my journey will be a little bit shorter than John's in terms of takeoff and landing. Um, it'll be a short story. There'll be sin in there. Does that sound good? There'll be a bit of God, a bit of the enemy, Paul. Uh, there'll be a law court and a verdict. Okay. And yes, interesting. There it goes. Okay. So it's interesting. I, I was up here two weeks ago, and John again asked me to. He did that John thing, you know. He's going to get you all eventually. And uh, he, he got me to talk a little bit about sort of some difficult challenges in the past. Um, and then I knew I was coming up today to talk a little bit. And, and something that came up for me this week was the, 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 the good news is I'm not as bad as I sometimes think I am as a person. So the, and, and this came to me. I didn't really think about it. It came to me that the good news is I'm not as bad a person as I sometimes think I am. The bad news is, I'm not as good as I sometimes think I am. <laughs> and that, that is going to be part of what this sermon is about. Is, is, and, and it's one of the problems with what in society we talk about self-esteem. By this thing of, of how I value myself or how the world is valuing me um, should be the big thing. You know, because it's 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 so un unwavering. It's it's the world changes. What they think of me changes. But what I think of me changes every day as well. It's just not consistent. It's not to be relied upon. And the whole idea of self-esteem, it sort of came up back in the sort of 70s and 80s. It failed miserably. You know, and, and maybe I'll touch upon that a little bit later. Um, so last week, Andy, can we have the first slide up, please? Um, Oh, that's the second. Okay. Last week I was in a coffee shop before coming here um, in Costas. And the young lady that was serving there said, oh, what are you doing today? And I said, well, I'm a few things on, but I'm going to go to church this morning. And I was like, oh, what's coming next, you know? And the question was, are you religious? I said, how do you answer that? You know, are you religious? No. Any yeses? Any I don't knows? Any. So I did, you could call this a cop-out. I was a little bit slippery, but it's based on experience. I said, what do you mean by religious? Okay. What do you mean by religious? And she paused. It was kind of like a chess thing, chess moves, you know. Um, because last time I kind of went quickly into one of these, I ended up in a debate about were all the wars in the world caused by religion? Do you know how those conversations can go? You know, especially if there's beer or wine involved. Um, so I wasn't going to be caught this time. I was, I, I've got a, a, a verb, to be Phariseed. I wasn't going to be Phariseed. 
okay. Uh, not yet. So, are you religious? I said, I, well, tell me what you mean by religious. So she thought, and she says, well, do you believe in God? So again, what do you say? You've got to answer that. It's not rhetorical. And I was like, oh. I said, well, what do you mean by that? Because I sometimes feel, it, when I get into the conversations, that I'm walking into a trap. Um, and I said, what, well, what, well, what do you mean by that? I mean, what do you mean by believe? And what do you mean, who do you mean by God? Is it the same as the God that I believe in? Um, and we had a bit of fun. And I know this young lady, and she wasn't trying to trap me. She's very intelligent. She's very lovely. And I think she was genuinely interested in why I would be going to church. She knows me from from a while gone by. And I came away with, with, with um, a chuckle, because it was quite funny. It was a, but I also came away thinking, oh, I wonder what Jesus would have said. I, I wonder how he would have answered that I, in a way that maybe would have drawn that person in. And I guess I was, a, I was a little bit sort of mercurial and a little bit, you know, maybe we'll follow up again. But I, I wondered what John might have said. You know, or other people in the church, if someone said to, said to you, do you believe in God? It, could I have come out with a shorter answer, which would have been very attractive and very... So, I thought to myself, yeah, I've been, I've been quite smart and slippery there, and, and, and a bit... But I am a little bit confused as well, because what does it mean, I believe in God? You know, when, when we say... And when someone asks us, do you believe in God, what do they actually mean? And I suppose I came away thinking, I think what she meant was, do I believe God exists? So that's a little bit closer, I suppose. She still didn't get to what God was, but I think she meant, does God exist? I, I do think God exists, clearly. I wouldn't be standing here otherwise. But, but how inspiring a message is that, that God exists? Does that get your heart going? Does that inspire you? Does that get you excited because we know God exists? Is it the old guy in the sky? Is it the... And it kind of, it brought me up short, really, and it made me think, you know what? My belief and my faith and my religion, really, is still a bit intellectual and in the head, and it's not really in the heart sufficiently. So it came back to me. And I came away there thinking, can I have the next slide up, please? Ah. Oh, no. That one. Okay, and I came back, and, and this was the slide that came through for me, and this was the quote which I love. Uh, I'll give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. And I kind of still feel I'm in the process of getting that new heart, the heart of the flesh, and the new spirit. You know, that transformation that is talked about, be renewed by the transformation of your mind. And, and I feel I'm kind of halfway still between there and there in terms of my faith and my religion. I think about it, I can intellectualize it, but do I feel it in my heart and do I act it out each day from my heart? And the answer is not yet, but I'm getting there. And I'm, I'm not gonna give up. So, um, what have we got next? I should be checking my notes, really. So what do I believe? And this is what I sat down with, and for the last two weeks, I guess this is what I've been working towards. What do I believe? Um, what's the next one that comes up, Andy, after that? Ah, 
Now, I grew up as a Catholic. And I probably have repeated this in the Catholic Church when I was younger. I stopped going when I was 20. Um, I probably repeated it probably five, six, seven hundred times. So I don't know if any of you know this particularly well. Okay. Uh, I, I know it off by heart. So I sat down with this about a week ago. And I thought, right, so this is what I believe. And I do believe it. But it still doesn't inspire me. It still hasn't got my heart going. It still hasn't. It's not moving me in the way that I would hope that my belief in God does. That's the Apostles' Creed. The next slide is Pat's Creed from when I was little. This, and this, this I sat down and I said, well, what did I believe? So it's kind of my, my story of my faith, I suppose. What, what did I believe when I was little? You didn't like that one, Andy, did you? <laughs> there we go, back. There you go. And this is where I realized I kind of had gone wrong. This is where I think my faith and my good, as a child, and I used to read the Bible, and I, but I kind of got it wrong somewhere. It, it got, things have got mixed up. So I believed in a God who exists. Wow. I think, I think probably a good part of the population believe that, but it's, not, it's nothing special, is it? Is the boss desire of perfection despite my inability to deliver on a daily basis? I'm inadequate in his presence. I'm a disappointment to him and the church. Exhausted, resentful, and defeated, I plow on. And that's, that was my faith. That was my faith from the age of about 10. That's how I felt. So I believed in God. So anyone said, do you believe in God? Are you religious? I could answer yes to that. But it was, it was, not, it was meaningless, and it wasn't heartfelt. And I kept, there's a couple of things that came up for me. One was the relationship with sin. Now, in the Catholic Church, we do sin well. We've got different, we've got mortal sin. If you commit one of them, you know, you're in trouble, okay? And I've committed a few of those, I'm sure, by the age of 15. Um, you had venal sin. You had all these different sins. And I had a belief when I was... 10 years of age, I don't know where this came from, that if you swear 16 times, you're going to go to hell. Now, I don't know where I picked that one up from, but needless to say, I'd done that, you know. So the effect it has on your faith and your, and your relationship with God is, is, is a tough one. By the way, this story gets better. <laughs> okay. You're going to walk out with a smile. Um, but I suppose I'm sharing, I don't think my experience with God as a youngster was unique. You know, and with all the will in the world of trying to please God and to be good, you could end up feeling pretty rubbish. And I looked around at friends as a teenager that were up to all sorts. All sorts. But you know what? They were having a great time. I was the Christian. I was the one who went to church. People looked at me, and then they looked at the, what, the Hellraisers. I, I tell you what, they, had, they were having a much better time than I was. You know, and if anybody looked at who's got the better life, those were the ones. They were the ones that seemed to have joy. I didn't. So something wasn't right. You know, something wasn't right. So over the last few weeks, because sometimes we revisit our faith, and we're like, well, what happened? And to me, it was about this, this thing of sin. And again, sin was a real sort of stain when I thought about it in the Catholic Church. But correct me if I'm wrong, John, it just mi min means missing the mark. It means you missed the mark. 
So I miss the mark every day. And if that's going to crush me, can I really be out there doing good in God's world? So I looked at what Paul said. And in a strange sort of way, that inspired me. Because I'm like, this guy, he's a spiritual giant. The confidence of this man, the power in this man, how he delivered the Christian church around the world. And yet he recognized that all the time he was sinning. Now that puzzles me. How can someone know? I mean, I thought he was a, a good Christian, and a, you know. But he recognized that he was missing the mark all the time. But he was going on to do incredible things. How come? How come it didn't crush his self-esteem? What's going on there? So the next quote, and I'm liking Paul by this time. You know, he's, he's like my bestie. <laughs> okay. So this, to me, was very powerful. So Jesus came into the world to save sinners, thank God. But look what he says next, of who I am chief. And he didn't say, I was chief, because we all know what he did to the Christian church. But he said, I am chief. And he was writing to the, I don't know, John, you'd know which church, but um, he was writing to Timothy that he was the chief of sinners. Now, if he's the chief of sinners, the big boss of sinners, how come he's out there doing so much good? You know, and it's made me think of this idea of sort of downtrodden Christians with our sins and our self-flagellation and our, well, how can that go hand in hand with somebody boldly taking on, taking on the world, standing up in front of people, being stones thrown, thrown in prison? So something was going on here that I'd missed. I'd missed a trick when I was a kid. And what he says next well, I guess this is, this, this is what came up for me. You know, where's his low self-esteem? Why didn't he feel bad about himself? How was he able to behave with such conviction? It wasn't in his mind, what are you saying, Paul? Aren't you a hypocrite, Paul? Wasn't he saying that? He's standing there and talking about Jesus and love, and, and yet he recognizes he's of sinners. How did he manage that? Dissonance. I don't. I don't know. Because I. I feel, you know, sometimes I don't know if you have that inner voice. Sometimes, which is criticizing you, but it weakens me. It makes me feel like a hypocrite. It, it makes me feel awkward about even standing up here. So the next, the next part of that quote is a follow-on. So that in him as the foremost sinner, that Jesus Christ might demonstrate his perfect patience. So Paul was able to recognize himself as a, a, the chief sinner, but knowing that Jesus was working through him and forgiving him, that, that was an example to us all. That, that Christians don't need to be downtrodden. And something sometimes the, the word humble gets mixed up. Humble isn't about being, uh, I'm not a good person, I'm not a good singer, I'm not a... That's a kind of, for me, a false modesty. Jesus wants us standing tall. 
Very good. <laughs> so again, I thought you had to be humble and sort of be like, sort of, yeah, yeah, I'm not very good. I'm a bit of a sinner. I'm a bit. Of, I, I thought that's what being a Christian was, but that I can't believe that God wants that. And and Paul didn't didn't behave like that. He was bold, um, and he was he was a victor. So, if we move on from there. So I'm still on this bit of a journey with sin. And I suppose what it is, is that Paul recognized that we have sin in us. But it's not who we are. If we connect the sin with who we are, and it's an identity thing, we're crushed. We're crushed. And we, we, we won't be able to, to work out God's love and, and will for us in the world. And isn't the enemy slippery? So the enemy can come to us through the church and through our attempting to be perfect and attempting to be like Jesus. And the enemy can even get in there and make us feel rubbish and make us small in the world. So it's about identity. We are identified with, with Jesus. We have sin. Sin is in our world. Sin is in us but it isn't who we are. And the moment we connect those two things and we, we believe it's our identity, then we're crushed. We're crushed. And how can there be joy? And where's the good news? Where are these things that we were promised? That gospel means good news, doesn't it? So what, what is the good news in there? If, if we're just sinners and, and we, we should be saying sorry, sorry, sorry our whole lives. Doesn't God want more for us? Shouldn't, shouldn't when we see Christians together, shouldn't we see them crying, but shouldn't we also see them joyful and real? So this here, um, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's good news, isn't it? That's good news. We can be joyful about that. So if we move over, Andy, thank you. Now, this was an interesting one for me that followed on. Uh, Self-esteem is a biggie, right? It became a big thing in the 1970s and 80s in America. And it was like, okay, our children have low self-esteem. And if you have low self-esteem, you do damage in the world. So the idea was, okay, if they have a low opinion of themselves, they do damage. So what we'll do to remedy that, we'll give them a good opinion of themselves. So the American school system, and it came over here afterwards, we can't have winners and losers. Okay, it's all about you get a medal for turning up and you get, and, you know, I, I think behind it, but they were probably trying to do good. You mustn't criticize children or adults. And you must. So what we had then is a generation of what they thought was high self-esteem, where people thought good of themselves, whatever they did, but God was not in that. So what you then had is fragile people who whatever happened, whatever they did, they thought they were great. And if they were criticized in school or criticized at work, they fell apart. And what Paul is saying here, he doesn't really 
worry too much about you say what about him. So he's not affected his esteem by what you say or any human court. But he also doesn't care about what he thinks about him either. So that's all taken away. It's just his relationship with God. And again, the, 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 the interesting thing that C.S. Lewis talks about this is if I'm constantly thinking about what you're thinking about me, and I'm thinking, right, I'm not going to listen to them. It's just about what I think about me. But where does God come in all this? So in the end, it's all about me, and I'm self-centered, and it's... What about where's, where's God? You know, I'm, I'm just thinking about me all the time. It's, uh, and we become self-centered. So he's saying, I don't care about you judging me. I don't care about human court judging me. I don't even care about me judging me. I just, it's my relationship with God that matters. And there's a lot of power in that then. If we go to the next one, Andy. It's not about high self-esteem. It's not about low self-esteem. We're already loved by God. There's the good news. And the thing is, I think, if we are chasing good self-esteem, then every act we do every day is a performance. We're always chasing that feeling of, do I feel good about myself? Do I feel good? Every time something goes slightly wrong, now I feel bad about myself. It goes well, I feel good about myself. So I'm just getting blown about by the events of the day. And I am relying on what other people think, or I'm shutting that out and becoming sensitive and unloving. It's the wrong game. We're playing the wrong game. We're, al we're already thought well of by the one that matters. So if we go to the next one, the world news, and we see this on the news, believes every day is a trial and your performance will lead to self-esteem and the verdict. Well, your performance in that case is never going to be good enough. If, if, if your self-esteem is relying on your performance. The good news for Christians, the verdict's already in. You're already loved and accepted. You don't need to chase it. We don't need to chase it down. And I think this speaks to Paul he knew he was sinning all the time, but it didn't stop him and his performance in the world of love and preaching. It didn't incapacitate him because he knew he was already accepted and loved. I thought, that's where I was going wrong. Always trying to be good enough to earn God's love and, 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 and to accept myself, but it was the wrong way around. The acceptance was already there. The victory was already there. It was already finished. And that truth then sets us free to, to do good in the world. The plane has landed. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thanks, Pat.
so good just to be reminded of the God that we love. Um, I, I'm going to um, scare just some guys in the church a minute. Can we just get communion set up? Um, can somebody just go and fill uh, something with some juice? And we'll use the, uh, I think we'll only have the, the gluten-free option this week because we're doing it impromptu. Uh, we normally do communion the first of the month, but I just sense there's just uh, something that we need to partake in that reminds us who we are.